Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Sayla Prack. Today's special guest is Brad Swartz. It's very great honor to have you on the shows today. Brad Swartz is considered as one of the most well-rounded capital gains tax deferred experts and informative speakers in the U.S. He is the founder of Capital Gains Tax Solutions and is an executive, exclusive deferred sales trustee host of the Capital Gains Tax Solutions podcast and also an EXP commercial multifamily broker in Sacramento, California. Brett is the host of Capital Gain Tax Solution Podcast. Each year, he equips with hundreds of millionaires to break out of capital gains tax jail. He also equips business professionals with diverse sales tax tools to help their high net worth clients break out too. Brett lives in Sacramento, California with his wife, Melanie, and their five children. So, Brett, really appreciate you coming on today to talk to us about Deferred Sales Trust. And this is one of the topics that I'm excited to learn about and wanted to deep dive and asking you all these questions. But before we do that, can you share with our listener a little bit more about yourself and how did you get started with real estate? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure to be here. So I got started in real estate at a young age. Helping my mom and dad build houses in uh, Mission San Jose, East Bay of California, Silicon Valley houses and, and having rentals. And so that was my beginning of having learning how to understand the sticks and bricks and construction and development. And then I went along to learn how to do the brokerage side of things at a place called Marcus and Millichap, where we studied and practiced uh, multifamily brokerage and 1031 exchanges. So that's my beginning of real estate. And that was in uh, you know 2006, I started at Marcus and Millichap. That is really awesome. So yeah, I want to deep dive into this topic, Deferred Sales Trust. Can you tell our listener, what is that? Yeah, it's a great way to defer capital gains tax on the sale of highly appreciated assets, such as cryptocurrency, businesses, investment real estate, primary homes, so you can create and preserve more wealth. You know, the biggest challenge is a lot of people struggle with capital gains tax when they go to sell. And we just did a deal in Palo Alto for $8 million as a primary home sale, another one in Santa Cruz for 79 one in San Diego for $13 million. And the common theme for a lot of these people is the 1031 exchange wasn't the tool that was going to work for what they were trying to accomplish. And so the key is it can help you accomplish some freedoms and some flexibilities that otherwise most people don't know about. Not to be confused with a Delaware Stash Troy Trust, the Deferred Sales Trust is an installment sale that allows you as the seller to delay receiving payments or receiving distributions at the sale in order to delay the tax. And so it's a great way to build wealth, to delay tax, and also to you know have some freedom from your home or your business where you're having to chase that next 1031 exchange property. And that's really what we're focused on is helping people have freedom and flexibility. So can you elaborate a little bit more? So what's the difference between deferred sales trust and the 1031 exchange for our listener? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, back to the San Diego property that we just did, it was a car wash sale, right? And there was four partners in the traditional 1031, the whole exchange or the whole entity must move. In other words, they have to sell for about $12 million and buy another $12 million property. Well, guess what? They're in the business of buying land, developing it, and developing a business and selling. They're not in the business of buying 
land for twelve million. They want to buy business or land for five hundred thousand. So the equal or greater challenge for the ten thirty one is like trying to squeeze a something into a box that doesn't fit, right? And so for them, they wanted the flexibility to defer the tax and also separate as partners. They wanted to kind of go their own separate ways or have some diversification. So that's one of the biggest things for that. Another one was for a client we did is a forty. Uh, this is a thirty three million dollar deal in Las Vegas. He also did a $48 million deal in Las Vegas, and he was a general partner, multifamily syndication. And for him, he just had his GP interest, right? A lot of LPs. Mm -hmm. And for his GP interest, he was just paying tax. In the traditional way, the whole entity must move, but they're not wanting to buy $33 million deals. They want to buy maybe a $15 million deal and maybe sell it for 33 or something, right? It's not always working out. So we're much more flexible way to defer tax. And the timing is probably the biggest thing. In a 1031, you have 45 days to identify, 180 days to close. With ours, there's no timing restrictions. You can buy and sell whenever you want. You can put it into stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. You can put it into cryptocurrency. You can put it into ground-up development, hard money lending. In other words, you can diversify the assets of which these trusts are invested in. And that's what creates the opportunity for you to lower your risk. You can also have liquidity. The money can sit in the bank for a while as well. Lots of flexibility. So how does it work itself? So let's take an example of that $33 million in Las Vegas multifamily as a syndication, as a GP. So for example, one of the partner is the general partners. And when it's sold, of course, the profit usually split among the GPs, correct? So this one GP get possibly like a $5 million compensation. How do you set that up and defer the capital gain tax on that? Yeah. So you can assign your interest prior to the sale to a trust. And so step one is you form a trust and we can call it the Las Vegas DST 2023. And that trust only does business with the client or the note holder. And if another GP wants to do it, they can do it. Another LP wants to do it, they can do it for their position. So it's almost like setting up these little small qualified intermediaries or these little small IRA companies. And we assign the interest, whether it be an LLC or an ownership interest prior to the close to these individual trusts, and essentially you're selling your interest to the trust in exchange for a promissory note. You're due a million dollars at closing, and you say, look, I'm not going to take the million. I'm going to sell my position to the trust, and the trust is going to give me a promissory note. So you're becoming the lender. You've lent the money to the trust at 100% financing, and therefore you're in a deferral state. The trust bought it for a million, sold it for a million to the ultimate buyer, and that's where the cash shows up. And you're in a deferral state. The trust is the same, bought it and sold it for the same price. So it has no tax. And the buyer's taking title the same way he has. And so that's the cool thing. It's total freedom. Wow. And it is all legal in terms of setting up a system like this and it'll be okay with the IRS in terms of at the end of filing period? Yeah, we think so. We've been doing it for 26 years. The legal track record is very strong. Thousands of closes, billions under management, over 20 no-change IRS audits. Perfect track record across all, all 50 states, all different types of assets, huge deals, small deals. Our track record is perfect. Lifetime audit defense that's built up, fighting a cough a little bit there. So yeah, as long as you do it correctly, that's the key. Just like is a 1031 exchange legal? Yeah, if you do it correctly. Is the deferred sales trust legal? Yeah, as long as you do it correctly, it is. So in terms of setting up the trust, you already set it up. You mentioned earlier, there's no timeline, unlike 1031 exchange. So there's no timelines. You have the funds in the trust. You can use it for any assets class that you wanted to buy. You can invest in stock, in cryptos, in ETS, and all basically different any asset class. Is that correct? That's correct. Wow. Okay. So 
What about fee? Is there any fees associated to deferred sales trust? Yeah, there is. So that's part of our role. We do um, we do the maintenance and the management as the trustee for the trust. So we charge along with the financial advisor about one and a half to two percent of the AUM. So let's say a million hits the account, it's about fifteen to twenty thousand is the recurring fee every single year annually at the beginning of the trust, and then once a year thereafter. There's a one-time fee to the tax attorney. It's about 1.5% of the gross sales price. So let's say the gross sales price was a million. It'd be a 15,000 one-time because it's lifetime audit defense. By the way, our minimum size deal is 1 million net proceeds, $1 million gain. So you, get, you gotta make sure you have a big enough pain and a big enough gain, pain being the tax liability to qualify. Now you could have two assets at $500,000 each that can combine for the million. But we want to make sure there's enough of that gain in order to hire us and really spend the time to go through it. By the way, we work on a no-cost obligation basis. So for whatever reason, you don't want to use the trust. And before your deal closes, you don't owe us anything. We only get paid at the closing. Wow. And another question for you. So I have a hypothetical example for you. So we let's, for example, we're working on a deal. We're trying to buy a deals. And let's just say use Las Vegas as an example, because you brought up uh, Las Vegas earlier. So a deal is in Las Vegas. It's $7 million. And the seller has a mortgage of $2 million left. So basically, after the sale, he would have $5 million, correct, of uh, capital gain. Or not exactly $5 million. It depends on how much he bought it for. Let's just say he bought it for $3.5 million before. So he basically had $2.5 million of capital gain. So as a buyer, how do we explain, how can this help the seller to move the deal forward and having him not paying the capital gain as well? Yeah. So as a buyer, you want to buy on price and terms. And as a seller, you want to sell on the highest price and the best terms. Part of those terms is paying tax, right? Mm -hmm. On the way. So if you can structure a deal where the seller is not going to be able to have to pay tax as much, it could literally be, mean all the difference. And we're talking about 25 to 50% of their gain being wiped out by capital gains taxes. I'm going to keep it real simple. I'm going to say it's a $5 million sales price. And I'm going to say it's a zero basis, right? I'm going to say he's in California. So we're going to take 5 million times 40%. And you say 40%, yeah, that's state, federal, Obamacare, and depreciation recapture is probably about 40%. And that's actually a pretty accurate number for most of these deals that are like this. So at 40% of 5 million, basically what's on the table for the seller, what's at stake is about $2 million of tax. So if you can come to him with a solution that helps him to defer the 2 million of tax, perhaps you can negotiate a deal. Instead of paying 5 million, you pay 4.8, 4.7. So you say, hey, Mr. Seller, what's your number one challenge to sell on this property? Why do you need to get five? Well, I'm going to owe 2 million of tax and I don't want to do a 1031. Okay, I get it. <laughs> if there was a way where I could show you with strategic alliances that I own a strategy and it all works out, you know, and you can help you defer 2 million of tax without doing a 1031 exchange, would you perhaps be willing to sell it to me for a little bit of a discount? So for example, if you're already setting up a deferred sales trust and this one, you already have a fund and you use it to invest in the next properties. And after that, can you set it up again for a different one? So basically- Yeah, one trust, multiple promissory notes. So you could sell for a deal for 5 million, a deal for 2 million, a deal for 10 million, a deal for 1 million. And you just keep moving it in and you have multiple promissory notes, typically one trust. Well, I'm just trying to wrap my head about the entire process. And why do you think that's not a lot of people is actually aware of this process? It's a good question. So it's actually one of the most important questions. And it also speaks to- the fact that a lot of these types of strategies in the past, either there's people that take them and they, they abuse them and they take them out of context and they stretch what the rules are 
and they end up ruining it for everybody, you know? And so we've been really disciplined on the compliance and the execution. And we have a 26-year track record, but it's the people who know how to do it and that execute it underneath the guidelines of the proprietary method that keep it, I guess, working, right? So part of it is not just letting everyone have all of the stuff because you're going to have the people that take it and they're going to run away with it and they're going to abuse it and they're going to mess it up for everybody. So it's protected that way, right? Number two would be there's only one law firm that really that does this. There's been some copycats that have come and gone along the way. They're my business partners and they, they're the ones who created this. Number three would be a lot of qualified intermediaries. They don't want you to know about this. Neither do 1031 broker, neither do commercial real estate brokers. They want to keep you in the 1031 commission game and you can't blame them. That's their business. And we love 1031 people. And I'm a broker. I do 1031s, right? This is great. This is fine. Nothing wrong with that. It's just not in the business of telling them that they don't have to use the 1031 anymore. So, and there's like 5,000 qualified intermediaries and it's a commodity, right? We're very protected. We're very strategic about how we use it, when we use it. And it does take some effort to get to know, like, and trust the trustee, the tax attorney. And a lot of people either haven't heard of it or they they get it confused with the Delaware Statutory Trust. Those are just a few of the reasons. But we have national law firms. We have private letter rulings. We have all the IRS audits, You know, huge banks, commercial brokers. We've done deals with across every brokerage. I mean, you can imagine huge primary homes, huge $100 million deals. I mean, it's here. It's just you need to talk with us is kind of what it comes down to. So you're talking about deferred tax. Eventually, that tax will be recaptured. And earlier is when we've talked, you're talking about we can do an installment of paying, right? Or how, how does that work when that tax is due? Yeah, good question. So we structure the notes with partial interest and sometimes partial principal payback over time. And people slowly pay tax as they receive it from the trust. But some clients just do interest-only payments. So let's say it's a million-dollar note at 8%. They're taking 80000 a year. They're just paying ordinary income tax. They get a 1099 INT. They report that they, and they pay the tax. Some of them will dip into principal and they pay principal or capital gains tax on the principal. But a lot of them will just do interest only. And so and they can pass it to their kids and keep it going. So that's really the answer. It is tax deferral. Now, you might have a loss on another a couple of years from now of a couple hundred thousand that you might want to try to time a couple hundred thousand out of the trust. Right. And those two combined can help you to do some tax engineering there, if that makes sense. So we work with your tax team and your CPA to try to make it as advantageous for you. But also the trust can be unwound and you can just pay your tax if you want to do that. It's the same answer for the 1031. Like, what point do you pay your tax when you stop 1031ing? Right. What point do you pay this? Well, when you stop investing in and out of real estate and out of deals. But, but by the way, the trust you can invest into real estate alongside of you through a joint venture partnership. So it doesn't take the entrepreneur real estate person out of it. Actually, it empowers them because you can sell high, get out of debt, get your powder dry, and go back in when the iron's hot. In fact, that was one of the best kept secrets of this whole thing. We had a client. He sold a $2.6 million business in Alabama, deferred hundreds of thousands of dollars of tax. And then he partnered with the trust to build 70 multifamily units in Tennessee, all tax deferred through an LLC, which he ran and managed. Now, it owed back the money to the trust that owed him the money. So it's a partnership there, the way we structure it. But that whole thing right there is incredible because there's no timing restrictions and no like-kind requirement, although he did put it back into some real estate. But again, he sold a business, deferred the tax, and built real estate with it. So it's pretty cool. We had another client. She had $50 million of Bitcoin, and she sold $5 million of it into the trust. And she used four of the $5 million to do a startup company, like, like a Khan Academy online tech company. 
And this is when, when Bitcoin was at 54,000 coin. So mm-hmm. she got out at the right time. Now, looking back, she would have got out of the other 45 million that maybe had gone to 70 million when Bitcoin was at 68,000, 69,000 a coin. Now we're about 20,000 a coin, 15. But that's another story. And she still might use it when the values go back. But the point is, she's able to sell high, diversify, and use it to unlock the freedom for her, right? The freedom for her was starting an educational company with her college roommate. That was her dream versus just working for the Silicon Valley big tech company. So the question is, if you're listening to this, what are you trying to accomplish? There's different tools to get there. Not every tool is created equal. Not every tool is going to get you to where you want to go. Sometimes it's a mixture and a combination of a couple of these tools. And that's our role is to help guide you, give you the options, and you make the decision. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So basically, you kind of able to plan your generational wealth and because it's a trust. So basically, you can actually name you know, the trustee, you know, can be your kids or can be anyone to have the control of the trust, or it has to be your company? It needs to be a third-party unrelated trustee. So the, one of the biggest things for people is we want to have our brother-in-law as a trustee, our secretary, the person we play basketball with on the weekends or golf with, or best man in our wedding, or, or our son or daughter. But that's what creates a taxable event. That's what's called a constructive receipt. And so to the, have the integrity, you need to have a third-party unrelated trustee. That is what we our role that we play as a third-party unrelated trustee, capital gains tax solutions. That is that is our primary role. And then we work with third-party financial advisors. That's the next part of the, the transaction. Mm-hmm. And then the most important is the tax attorney who creates the structure. The legal work does a lifetime audit defense. But when you're all working in sync together, the note holder, let's say that's you in this scenario, you're like the CEO. I'm like the COO. And the financial advisor is like the CFO. And then the legal team is there to call on should we need audit defense. Got it. So if we start adding first member of the family for like my kids or something like that, that would trigger tax event for that. Yeah, exactly. But they can step into your shoes. So if mom and dad pass away in your living trust, the promissory note is the asset. They can step into your shoes and continue the tax deferral and keep it going for a long time or cash out and pay the tax. We also have a second structure where the kids can actually be the beneficiaries it moves the funds outside the taxable estate. And that's more of the legacy ultra high net worth estate tax elimination, which is really powerful too. So we kind of there's kind of a way to do that with the second trust, Got but it. it's based upon you dying that they get the chance to inherit that. So in terms of deferred tax itself, so if, for example, the CEOs or the main trustee or the owners of the trust itself actually passed away, and then now will that all the tax will be captured at that point or is that passed on to the beneficiary? It all depends, right? So there's one DST 1.0 and 2.0. 1.0, if it's below the estate's tax limits, let's say it's $5 million, the kids can step into your shoes and just keep going, keeping the tax deferral. 
and they live off the interest. And they'll pay some taxes on the interest payments. So they'll dip into principal, pay some capital gains as if they receive it. 2.0 or DST plus, they are the beneficiaries. And over your lifetime, you've been receiving payments, partial interest, partial principal, paying some cap gains, but it's outside of the taxable estate for 2.0, which eliminates the 40% debt tax. Okay. So depends on what you're trying to solve for. If you say, Brett, I'm worth $100 million, I would say, let's go with 2.0 all day long. If you say my net worth is about five, okay, we'll probably do 1.0 all day long. If you say I'm about 20, well, we probably do a little bit of both. We'll do one for you know, 5 million per person per year. If you're married, 10. The other 10 million would go to the DST 2.0. So this is part of our role. We're going to guide you through this, but it's customized. It's not like a just like a template. It's not like a living trust where it's just like, oh yeah, I just do this, this, and this, and it goes away through probate or it's a commodity. This is a customized solution, customized compliance. We do have general practices but it takes the team of professionals to execute this to make sure that you're, you know, all staying within the guidelines of what the uh, tax attorneys have laid out for us. What about the process itself? How long does it usually take to setting up the DST? Yeah, I would say, you know, it's nice to have 60 or 90 days prior to the close of escrow. It's better to have even, you know, 120 and or 30 days before they list the property. We've done deals in 21 days, 7 days, 14 days, 30 days. But no one likes to work under a fire drill. Like this is a big deal for people. This is millions of dollars. They're one of their biggest exits and they're learning about a new strategy. So the more time we have a chance to know, like, and trust us and also us to you and your business team and understand your goals, the more we can move. But practically speaking, if we have all the know, like, and trust, everyone knows it's legal, it's trusted, it's secure, it's safe, the investment plan. I mean, we can close a deal in a couple of days. It doesn't take much. However, we do need to put the trust in before the move of all contingencies. When we had a deal... It's like a $20 million deal. They met us like three weeks before closing. They got caught up within seven days. They were ready to go. But then they brought it to the other buyer's attorney and then their seller's attorney. And they hadn't heard of it. And they had questions and they delayed and hesitations. And they kept pushing, pushing, pushing. But then they ran out of time. And basically, if you're not preparing and pre-preparing and really setting up your deal and you're waiting to the last minute, it can cause it all to no one, you run out of time, you run out of the clock. So that's why I would say get with us very early. We work on a conditional basis. We won't charge you if you don't use it, no hard feelings. But if you do, you'll pay us at the close of escrow. Got it. That makes sense. So Brett, is there any other questions uh, in terms of DST that I haven't asked that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, just know that you can save a failed 1031 exchange, right? It's really important to understand that 1031 exchanges can be great, but what if you run out of time, like we're talking about? You want to have a backup plan, and that's why you want to work with us. We have a 1031 rescue plan with the DST, and uh, you work with our accommodator that we have a strategic alliance with. Do not work with an accommodator who will not accommodate for this. So I highly encourage you. I tell everyone who's a broker or anyone that's doing real estate, it's like malpractice. If you have your clients going with accommodators that don't allow this as a backup. And I get calls every single month of people saying, Brett, I'm with this big, big exchange company. And they just say no to this thing. They say they don't think it's legal or they don't think it's this or that. We're like, well, we're just closing deals all over all 50 states, California mostly, all the time. And they don't want you to know this because you may not even use them in the future at all. And so that's the key. Make sure you get with us so you have a backup plan in case your 1031 is going to fail. And then just, you know, start early and often and get educated. You know, get our free ebook, get our new book that's coming out with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. He's in the book and it's called Building a Tax for Exit Strategy and other financial advisors, multifamily syndicators. And we're talking about my whole journey on the DST and what we're doing. Like anything else, it's like riding a bike. If you've never done it before, of course, it's going to be wobbly. 
right? Of course, it's going to feel a little bit awkward until you have a team of professionals to help you through it. But then once you do, we think you'll probably never go back to a 1031, right? Unless you really have that deal lined up and then we'll give you a high five because it is cheaper and you can just maintain all the 100% of control with no hesitations, right? But otherwise, we love it and we think you're going to love it too. And you mentioned uh, you lift up your book a little bit and you mentioned about your book a little bit. Can you tell our listener a little bit more and uh, where can they find uh, all yeah, the Yeah, you can check on Amazon in about 30 days. It's called Building a Tax Deferred Exit Strategy. There's a slight chance we might change it to just capital gains tax solutions, but it's the proven playbook for unlocking your ideal wealth plan when selling assets of any kind for yourself or your, for your clients. And it's really my journey... From really zero, nothing in the bank, nothing in my pockets, failing in commercial real estate, working at the Cheesecake Factory, my wife with a small baby at home with our first daughter at the time, you know, moving with my brother into a small condo, working 70-hour weeks at Marcus and Millichap, negotiating with banks and trying to make it to where we're at now, which is great. We're a national company. We closed over $450 million in commercial real estate and deferred sales trust transactions. And we coach and train how to, how, to, how to help people do this every day. So you're going to get some inspiration. You're going to get some tactical ways to defer tax, tactical ways to use 1031s, cost segregation, but deferred sales trust, which is our best kept secret, Delaware statutory trust. But you got to have an exit plan. You work too hard and you invested too much to not have a plan, should things go, uh, should you want to exit, right? We don't want anyone to ever feel trapped by capital gains tax. We want you to have the freedom and flexibility that we've learned how to help our clients achieve. And if you're a business professional, you can go to experttaxsecrets.com. We have a free, we have a coaching program there, not free, but paid coaching program there, which is incredible. We also have a ton of free content on our YouTube channel too. You can check all that out at Capital Gains Tax Solutions YouTube channel. So, Brad, I want to pick your inspiration. You mentioned about you working at Cheesecake Factories and starting with Marcus Miller Types and working 70 hours a week. What kept you going? And is there any tips that you want to share with our listeners to make it happen and to become successful like you? Yeah, you know, I believe we've all been given certain gifts in this life. And these gifts have been given to us to be a blessing and help to others. And it's our responsibility and stewardship to maximize those gifts and then to figure out how as many people as we can possibly help with those gifts. And then also to know the higher purpose for why we're here. And when you combine those things, it helps to drive forward during tough times. So I just believe that, you know, for me, I'm a Christian. I believe that the Lord wanted me to stay at Marcus and Millichap and grind through the 08 crisis. When everyone was leaving and bailing, I was just learning and absorbing the education of amazing mentors seeing the blood in the streets with people losing half or every all of their wealth and really trying to figure out and assess what went wrong and so that we could help them so never go wrong again. So it became an opportunity to grow, but it also meant I had to keep the lights on, which meant working Cheesecake Factory at nights. And so I did both for two years and I kind of did it undercover. And at the time, it was kind of like embarrassing. Like they want people to know. In fact, I don't think really anybody knew. At one point, there was like a client in the other room who I was trying to get a listing from. I'm like, oh no, if he sees me serving cheesecake, he's never going to give me my $3 million listing. At least I thought I had in my head. And it's probably true too, because you probably wouldn't want to list if someone has $3 million listing who's working at Cheesecake Factory. But all that being said, I love Cheesecake Factory. I learned a lot and I grew a lot and I grew as a person, I grew my character, it helped us to find our values, my wife and I, what was really important to us. And part of that was her being full-time home with our children. So we kept having kids. We have five now. And part of that was pursuing my entrepreneurial dream with being a real estate broker, right? And you look at all of those things that happened in the past, and there's a reason for that, so that now on this side, I can remember the other side and I can help people, you know, hopefully press through when things are challenging for them, right? And hopefully inspire them. But more than that, have a tactical solution for people who are going through these same struggles 
because I went through it with the tax attorney for 10,000 hours with the clients who were multimillionaires, the billionaires and all of it. And now I just want to share the secrets with everybody. So that's the long story, but it was tough. I mean, there's a number of things. My faith kept me going. My family kept me going. My wife believed in me. She was willing to sacrifice with us, with me. And uh, yeah, here we are. We've been married 13 years, five children later, and she's my queen. And you know, I have a chance to, she's still home full time with all of our kids and it's working out. Wow, congratulations on all your success. And I want to pick your brain on another things and I want to share with our listeners uh, in terms of you starting the company, right? And then uh, to at this point, so is there any tips of how to start a successful company or any other tools or techniques that you use that actually work out for you really, yeah, really the well? The biggest thing I can say right now, either the beginning, the middle, or where you're at is to hire great talent and delegate your everything, right? Your systems, your processes, your procedures, your SOPs, your docu-signs, your transaction coordination, your parts of your emails, your design, your podcast editing. I mean, you got to delegate because otherwise it's just going to be not very enjoyable because your time and energy is just going to be pulled away in so many directions. So A, hire a full-time virtual assistant if you don't have one right now and pay them well and pay them for 40 hours all right now and have them just watch you do everything that you're doing every day and slowly but surely delegate these things to them, okay? Don't feel like you have to teach them in the sense of, hey, let's sit down for a PowerPoint. Let me teach you the ABCs. No, no, no. They're just going to sit on your shoulder and watch you on a Zoom or watch you on a screen share as you're doing the things you're normally doing. And after they watch you one, two, five, 10, 20 times, you look over and say, hey, do you think you can do this? And they go, yeah, I think I can do that. Great. And then they go do the thing. And eventually, you never have to do that thing ever again. So the best type of email I get is I get this email and I just forward it and I say, please process. And I don't even think about it. And it just gets done, right? And then we hire more. And now we have five full-time team members plus another three full-time cold callers. We have strategic alliances across the country that we work with and connect with to grow the business and scale. So forget all the other like tools or technology or all that stuff. That's fine. But it's really the who. You want to hire the who, don't be the how. Is there any books that you would recommend? to our listeners? Yeah. There's a system called Run Like Clockwork. And it talks about delegating, talks about designing, talks about deciding and doing, right? And as an entrepreneur, we want to be in the designing and uh, delegating. We don't want to be in the deciding and doing. So Run Like Clockwork, I think in the book, they have like training series. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend that one right away and try to start to implement all of that. And also, uh, I know I try to pull as many nuggets as possible. So it's a great honor to have you on the call. So I'm trying to get all the tips as much as possible. So one last thing I want to ask you, you know, like you are very energetic and very motivated. What keeps you so motivated? Is there any tips that you can share with us like to keep you moving and motivated and really, really talking about your stuff? Mm, good question. So... Wow. I think I would say it's a mix of things. It's learning to work harder on myself than I do on my job. And myself, meaning my character, my personal development, my faith, my family, my fitness, my finances, like kind of the whole part of these major things in life. And it's developing those habits to be in a place where you can have good energy. It's surrounding myself with amazing mentors and coaches and people. It's being a part of groups like EXP, commercial and residential and having amazing groups there and having support. I mean, it's going to conferences. It's, I go to church every single Sunday. I read and pray the Bible every single day. I meditate. I, I work out five days a week. I drink a lot of water. I mean, there's probably a hundred different things that keep the energy going. My family, my kids, the goals that we set and talk about. 
I can't necessarily say it's one thing. I've, I think I've also been given the gift of just wanting to work really hard and help a lot of people. Played sports in high school and college, played college basketball and had really good coaches that yelled at me and motivated me to keep moving forward and stay humble and coachable. So there's just so many blessings I've been given. And I just hope to just maximize those gifts and be a blessing to others. And finally, it's because you are in commercial real estate and I know you don't have a crystal ball and we just started 2023. How do you feel about 2023 in terms of the market itself? Yeah. So commercial real estate wise, if you can find value add deals, and that means you can come in and you can increase the value by doing something kind of forced appreciation, then you can do fine, right? Where you can raise the rents in pro-business states, Texas, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee. These are areas that are, 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 the Carolinas are pretty solid as well. Workforce housing, especially multifamily, mobile home parks, senior housing, assisted living. These are deals that I tend to feel more comfortable with. That's just kind of what I grew up. My mom was also an LVN nurse and she worked at convalescent homes and senior centers. And so I understand that business. Um, so I think that's the key. Number two, work with those who are experts and build a dream team to help you exit whatever you're doing or investing in whatever you're doing. But also be cautious that things I think are changing and there's going to be opportunities to buy some things that are, I think, a little bit discounted. You don't want to get over your skis because interest rates are higher. Debt coverage service ratios are very sensitive for banks right now, especially because they do still remember 08 and mm-hmm. they don't want to over lever or allow you to borrow more than you can actually pay back. And so naturally, there's going to be some opportunities. So be patient, be diligent, build your team, raise capital if you're an investor. And if you're a seller, look at your ROE, your return on equity, as it pertains to what it could be on a different strategy like the deferred sales trust. We're typically able to increase cash on cash by 50 to 60% alone, especially for people in California who's selling their assets and have a huge tax, but their rents have kind of been stagnated or it's subject to rent growth, right? Or uh, mm-hmm. rent caps yep. each year. So you statewide rent control is what it is. And so these are the things that you can look at and assess, and that can make it easier for you to make decisions. So that would be my general encouragement, but also diversify, get out of debt, get customized help is what it, is really what it comes down to. A lot of different ideas, but it's got to be customized to you and your experience, your risk tolerance and what you're trying to do, and then get the team to help you achieve it. So Brad, thank you so much for coming on to the show today and sharing with us with a lot of golden nuggets and tips, the forecast for 2023s and a tip of what needs to be done and also, you know, deferred sales trust. This one of the topics I have no idea about and I'm really glad learning it today. So really appreciate you. So if our listener wanted to find out more about you to learn about your company or to reach out to you, where can they go? Yes, CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com, Capital Gains Tax Solutions YouTube channel, Spotify, iTunes, Capital Gains Tax Solutions. And you can also go to ExpertTaxSecrets.com if you're a business professional looking to level up to offer it to your clients. And then, of course, remember, check out the book, Building a Tax for Extra Strategy, coming out to an Amazon website near you. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Brett. Thank you. Bye now. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, Check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. 
Sale and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonifestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.